how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? everybody this is Ryan and this is Louisa and you're listening to sober sex I made a promise to myself to stop not listening what it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality it started with putting down the substances really and starting to listen and the listening to my body has changed Princess Superstar, a.k.a. Conchetta Krishner, is an American rapper and DJ, having worked with everyone from Moby, Arthur Baker, and friend of show, Larry T, to The Prodigy and Grandmaster Flash. (laughs) Conchetta has a long-term recovery and is an evolving creative force with her new radio show, The Magical Adventures of Princess Superstar, and her booming Patreon, which offers fans connection, content, and inspiration. We are thrilled to welcome her to Sober Sex. Rose, how do you feel about that conversation? Oh, we were just saying possibly one of the best episodes ever. Um, she was great, just super open, really down to earth. Bit Was a bit nervous because she's such like a big deal to interview her, you know. Um, but it's wicked because she was just like mega vulnerable and real and was celebrating a really big anniversary in recovery. And it was cool to be able to share the love and the magic. And it feels like that is kind of throughout the show and yeah I didn't feel nervous at all from when we started talking to her because she was just so friggin' down to earth and like kept it super real yeah so like warm and funny and wise oh my god I feel like if I had told my like 18 year old self that you'd be having this conversation I would have just died (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is so next level next level shit (laughs) <laughs> truly i mean it's like what a gift i yeah. just feel like the whole conversation was a total blessing so yeah. we hope you enjoy it too boom boom like the other day i was like hiking and i was by the redwoods and i looked up at the redwood tree and i was like god this tree's been here for a long time and like i'm only here for a little bit of time and um then I, I don't know. I just sort of had this like, wow, I'm only here for a little bit of time. So like every day has to be awesome, even if it sucks. Oh, lovely perspective. And I love that a tree gave you that. <laughs> and I kind of got <laughs> emotional like hearing about it because, yeah, it's so easy to forget. Yeah, it is because it's easy to get bogged down in the minutia. Like I was pretty fucking grumpy this morning when I woke up. But then I, I was like, great. Remember the tree, you know, like, yeah. oh, my God. I yeah. love that. I love mm-hmm. that. And so what is today? It's a special day. Do you mind telling <laughs> us what day that is? T- asking you about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, today today is not actually the special day, but I, I did celebrate 17 years of sobriety on Ooh-hoo! April 12th. Amazing. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Congratulations. What? It's kind of insane. And how did you do it? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> With the trees. I- with the trees I mean no seriously it was like uh, well you know it's funny one of your guests brought me to my first meeting Larry T oh yay amazing um but anyways uh yeah Larry T helped me get sober and brought me mm-hmm. to you know uh, a meeting that helps with that and um <laughs> very and, graceful uh, yeah yeah and uh and I stayed and I stayed I was in New York City 
2004. Um, I was 33, like Jesus. Um, <laughs> Born again. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, and I never looked back. And it's crazy because it's not like I was like, oh yeah, this is the way, like Mandalorian. But like, <laughs> but, like I, I, I just was like, I, I resonate with enough of like I have to stop. Well, actually, it was a. Actually, I was doing a lot of drugs back then, so I, I was like, I have to quit drugs. And just use um, alcohol responsibly. Like that's what I was trying to – I was looking <laughs> like for. that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like I was touring a lot during this time and um, you, you'll appreciate this. I'll be like – I was I was having all these rules. Like I'll only do drugs in Europe. Um, I'll only – like I'll drink <laughs> here but I, I'll use drugs in Europe. And of course like that's where I was like famous. So that's where I was touring all the time and I was always in Europe. Like, you know, like – oh my god. <laughs> Which it is was hilarious. It's like, yeah. the, I'll only do drugs at work, which was like my rule, which is an insane rule. <laughs> right, right. It's like these insane things. So, But it was really, you know, the grace of my higher power, honestly, because like I, I just wouldn't have uh, – I, I would have left and I didn't. I went in and I never relapsed. I mean, it's crazy. I loved to party, you guys. I was like a partier, you know, and it was like my profession too in a way. What's yeah. what's super crazy is that there was an article, and I think I might have mentioned this in the Larry T episode, but I recently refound it, like t- in order to do your guys's interviews, and it was on like May twenty seventh of two thousand four. So I guess you had a couple years at that point, and I got sober on May first to or May May twenty seventh two thousand six, and I got sober May May first two thousand six, mm. and you guys were talking about being sober and in the scene. It was like you guys and Justine D. And Tommy like, Sunshine, Tommy Sunshine, <laughs> friend of show, Tommy Sunshine, shout out Tommy Sunshine. Um, and like it was like Hollywood Squares, but like the 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 fun sober gang. And yeah, it was the sober just, bunch. Yeah, exactly. We, it, was, it was like uh, supposed to be like the Brady Bunch. And um, oh my god, and um, Bob was Cindy. I don't know if you guys were around for Bob, but but Miss she Beth. was like, yeah, she's amazing. She was uh, she was like uh, um, she was female but she would call herself a female to male to female <laughs> like I don't know she just was like a performance artist and she but they made her Cindy I think I was oh no no I was Cindy wait a minute who was Bob I forget but everybody was like a Brady Bunch character and it was oh it was God. genius and uh yeah, it was very exciting to come out as like sober and like making it cool. I think that was so mm. key back then is it like made making a it cool. Huge impact. Like yeah. seriously. I think I showed it to my parents and like insisted that they read it, being like, I could still do this. <laughs> like <laughs> less than 30 days free of cocaine. And they were just like, please oh stop God. making us read this article. <laughs> please stop <laughs> sending this to us from rehab. Why are you on a computer? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like long story short, thank you, you know, because it, it, it made a big difference in in thinking about the possibilities of having a life. Mm. You know that was uh, yeah yeah. Well, I mean, amazing. I'm so grateful to receive that. But like that that was so important to me when when I first got sober, like that that I could still be cool. You know, and um, when I first uh, got sober, I used to go to this one called Completely Sober in the French Church and. Uh, in New York. And it was like people from the mud club and like all the old school gang of like club goers and DJs and stuff. And like, I was like, wow, if they could, you know, get sober and still be cool, then I can too. 
did celebrate a humongous birthday this this year. Um, the big five zero. I turned fifty. Congratulations! She survived. Yes. I know it's huge. But anyway, so I I got to New York in uh, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, I went to NYU. I was actually born in New York, but we left when I was three to Pennsylvania. But I went back nineteen eighty eight. Got to New York City, and I never left. And then about two years ago, me and my husband were like, can we get the fuck out of New York City, please? Like, it's been 30 <laughs> years. We had a little, uh, we have a little daughter. And, um, you know, we were tired. We are tired. We just wanted something else. So we were just like, fuck it, let's move to LA. We had no reason to. We just kind of mm-hmm. were like, and I was like, well, if I'm moving to LA, I'm moving by the beach. So sure enough, we did. Yes. And now we are like 11 blocks from the beach in Santa Monica. And it's... Oh fucking amazing and you've got parakeets uh, yes and we've got parakeets that we you bought our daughter for her quarantine pet <laughs> i love that mm-hmm. how is it going over there how do you like it what's uh, what do you like dislike what's the change been like okay well First of all, like Santa Monica is a little like Stepford Wivesy. Like when you come from like New York City and for so many years and like had the life that I've had, like I'm like, okay, it's a little like weirdy vanilla. Lots of smiles. Smiles. Um, <laughs> a lot of like plastic Which surgery. Stress me out. A lot of money. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like I'm like, okay, I clearly <laughs> don't belong here. Um, but – like what a miracle because like during covid we were just like oh thank god we weren't in new york with this little kid like oh my gosh you yeah. know because like every day we would go to the beach and they they freaking shut down our beaches which is so insane but we snuck anyway we were like well whatever and we would like go <laughs> nice. to malibu to these like you know um uninhabited beaches and like just have a beach day, you know, with a child or go up in the mountains. Um, There's just like, you know, there's just like a lot of nature here. I think that was what I was really missing in New York. Um, But, uh, but it's certainly weird. I don't think we're going to stay here like for very long. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where's the next move. Um, As somebody who, who made the trajectory from New York to Santa Monica, and then you just move kind of slowly more East. Like I I ended up in kind of Silver Lake during that stint. Yeah. (laughs) But you're like, but the beach, and then you don't see the beach as soon as you like move more than a mile away. It's so (laughs) sad. It's weird. I know. I know. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to end up. I I don't know. I'm also trying to see like what plays out politically and um, just Mm. with COVID and all this stuff too. Like, yeah. Yeah. How old is your daughter? She's going to be 10 in a couple weeks. So I had her really late too. Like I had her when I was 40. Um, So I always like to say that because I think a lot of women feel the pressure to like have their kid and like, you know, have it all sorted out. And it's like, we, uh, we met, you know, uh, getting sober and, um, and I was already, well, let's see, 38 or so, 37. Um, and then, yeah, and then we like got together and fell in love and had a baby at 40. So awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm 38 and I'm about to have my first baby in a few months. Oh, I'm amazing. nearly six months pregnant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. It's such a trip. I never thought it would happen. And to be mm-hmm. like nearly 40 and to be doing that, well, I'm 39 next week. So yeah, nearly oh. 40. So, I mean, it's pretty weird to, I just, I'm glad that the age criteria for having babies has gone up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Older, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how much of a better mom are you going to be? Like, Ugh. you know what I mean? 
now. I mean, I was pregnant countless times when I was younger. I hate to say, but because of drugs and alcohol, I just wasn't just wasn't even on my radar. Like abortions were my contraception, you know. Yeah. So unfortunately. And uh, yeah, so I can't believe I get to like do this in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Now really get ready to be catapulted to the fifth dimension. (laughs) How did it change for you? How did life change for you? I'm curious. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I don't know. It's kind of like you never knew how much love you could actually have inside your body. Like that's, that's the love that you have for your child is like whoa like that I think is the number one thing is like getting in touch with a new level Mm. of love um and then just like I don't know it's like gives you purpose too like a different type of purpose it really helps you work out your character defects and kind (laughs) of your (laughs) relationship opportunity for growth oh god like massive (laughs) and it helps you heal like some of your inner wounding as like being a child you know it helps helps that sick and how have you incorporated being a parent and your career yeah. Well, you know, I my my touring really slowed down and and um that that happened. Um and uh it, it it's kind of I guess become secondary in a way to mothering um and um it's hard sometimes cuz like some of my lyrics, you know, or like I can't I can't really play her some of the songs or she'll end up hearing them to be like mom it's really funny um but uh yeah it's it's not easy it's I, I wish I could sit here and just be like oh yeah it's easy I have it all like no like you know definitely I don't I don't have as much time to write music or work on music or do those things but I still do a little bit you know right Nice. And oh, thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah. Us. And you, everyone. <laughs> the sober sex yeah, <laughs> Is that what I just you're forgot. <laughs> I just forgot we were on a podcast. I thought we were just having a conversation, just me. <laughs> <I do. laughs> um, but kind of speaking of that, you've recently become a member of the Tastemakers Radio Network on Dash Radio, like us. Mm-hmm. So Woo. I know that um, you have a show called The Magical Adventures of Princess Superstar. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. That's... Um, that's been really fun. Uh, I basically just tell, you know, my stories of my 20 plus years in music. Um, you know, I, I've worked with so many amazing people from, you know, Moby to Armand Van Helden to Jacques Lucan to, um, uh, I don't know. Prodigy, name it. Grandmaster Pro- Flash, yeah. Arthur Baker, Larry <laughs> T. I forgot. There we go. You even got your bio down. Lana Del Rey. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of people. I don't know. So I have good stories. I have good, good stories to tell. So I tell them. I also tell current. I talk about current things. Like I'm really into crypto. Um, oh, wow. I, uh, I also play a lot of music from the era of 2000 to 2010. Um, And 
I, my favorite uh, era, by yeah, the way. So amazing. Oh my God. And um, so the best. Yeah. It just doesn't get old, does it? it Why doesn't. does it not get old? Because oh, it's, it's so perfect. freaking good. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. And um, but you guys, what's really funny is that I have so many mixes that I've done over the years that half the time I just am lazy and I don't do any new mixes. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, here's something. Here's me live in Austria 2010, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I think that's maybe more like like kind of authentic time capsule than if you tried to kind of make it contemporary because it's like it still sounds true. fresh to the people who haven't heard it, you know? Right. Right. It's true. It's true. It's like, oh, man, that song. And like plus like songs I, I just don't even know anymore that I'm like, oh, I used to love that song. Who was that? Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know anymore, you know? So <laughs> soul seek it later because it's only available for free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like 128 kbps. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, wow, this bit rate sucks. <laughs> My ears are bleeding, but it's a it's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My favorite memory from that era of music is um being a kid and like and then like listening to Radio One on a Sunday night and then getting like old cassette tapes of audiobooks, filling it with blue tack and salad tape or whatever, uh, and getting ready to record the songs off of the radio. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I would love to find some of that because like I was just like grew up in the countryside and but I really loved the sounds of like the late 90s, 2000s, and I was just like, yes, this was my jam. And occasionally now they'll like use it on a film or something. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like transported back to the Salitate Blue Tack moment, <laughs> stuffing holes in tapes. <laughs> so well, that's amazing. So then, so you grew up in England? Yeah. Right. Yes. So then you would have been around for my big, my big bad babysitter moment then. Yeah, exactly. It would have all been about totally it. All about inappropriate it. for your age, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Rose was inappropriate for her age, it's fine. I was <laughs> often known as precocious. <laughs> we love to have you, McCall, as precocious. <laughs> Loved. Yes. Loved, indeed. I'm like, somebody called me precocious the other day, and I was like, I don't think you can call a bitch precocious at nearly 40. I don't know. It feels fucking weird. So I'd, maybe. Say, I'd say it's still on point. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I was like knitting hats or something. I don't know. But I definitely wasn't. <laughs> um, so you've long been an icon for badass feminine sexuality. Speaking Can you tell us about <laughs> Yes, yeah, so speaking about that? Can you tell us about the first messages you received around sex and sexuality? Well, um, I guess, you know, well, the you know, the first ones, first of all, like growing up in the 70s um i the first real kind of exposure i had was my parents had this book called the joy of sex oh my god my parents too <laughs> which was like <laughs> really ghastly. by this yeah, it's yeah. so traumatic the pictures <laughs> like like yeah and as a young child like looking through that you're just like what is this love <laughs> this making fucking it's kill like me these, yeah all these like different positions <laughs> and like very hairy bushes you know which is fine <laughs> big, big like bushes. when, when yeah. you're little you know you're just like oh that that's doesn't look good to me. <laughs> I don't want up in that bush. <laughs> oh my god! Who so pushes that? Yeah, yeah, that was my earliest. But um, I think what really kind of like um informed my music and like using playing with like sexuality and things like that is I loved female rappers of the day. You know, in the nineties, like Lil Kim, she was mm. just like so like out there um and went for it, and it was like she makes sex with humor. And I always thought that was like, 
amazing. Like I remember when she like 1996 hardcore came out and she was like, you know, like eat molasses out my asses. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, also she, like as a style icon and kind of like subverting the male gaze, I feel like, you know, now we've been, we've been talking a lot about WAP, but it feels like she really kind of did that way, way, way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. She was. I mean, it was really controversial when she came out. And, um, you know, and Missy Elliott and um, all all those women really, really inspired me. And then I was like, I did take it on as like a feminist thing because I was like, well, and, and then because all, all the male rappers have been talking about that forever and ever. And I was like, well, why can't we like mm. talk about it? So that, so, so, but my, my mission was always to mix it with humor. Cause I just love that combination. And I feel like it lightens up something which potentially could hold a lot of shame for people. Uh, and it's just fun. It was fun to play with and be outrageous. And so I was very outrageous for my day. Definitely. Um, bad babysitter is very uh, risque. You, I personally still can't believe that was on the radio in England. Like I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like masturbation? Like all these things in that song? <laughs> like what? Do, when you look back on it, do you feel kind of like, oh my god, me? Or does it all make sense? Like I find that sometimes, kind of like in retrospect, it's like, fuck, I did that. <laughs> but sometimes it's also, it feels cohesive and it's like, no, it's part of my journey or both. Well, you know, it, I think it's both because um, I, I do look back and I'm like, oh, damn, like, especially being a mom right now, like, it's like, oh, God, like that, is, that was really a little bit over the top for like the teeny boppers that, you know, when, like that was a bona fide pop song in, in England. Yeah. So it was like, that was, I was like, oh, God, that's a little much when I look back on it. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, that was part of my journey. It was really fun. It was like hilarious rapping and like, you know, and I was young and, and, and silly and having a good time. And, um, that launched a whole career, that song and, um, enabled me to also then become a DJ. Like, cause I was just a rapper at that point. And then, and then I, uh, that song took me to like Berlin, um, where DJ Hal from Jiggler Records was like, I want you to DJ, uh, the love parade party. And I was like, I don't know how to DJ. <laughs> That's so insane. Oh <laughs> this is your first DJ set. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah. That's mental. It's mental. So it's like, I don't know. That song took me places, you know? So, <sighs> I mean, if you rewind a little bit though, like how did that, how did the seed of the rapping start? Cause like, obviously you, you mentioned your influences, but like, how did you actually kind of get into that game? you know, as a, so, as a white girl from New Jersey, who is growing up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So basically I ha- had always loved hip hop, but I never thought I could actually rap. So I, um, what happened was I, in the early nineties, there was a very cool indie rock scene happening and I was playing guitar in bands around the Lower East Side. Uh, and the indie rock, just to paint a picture of like what was happening then was it was very much like about like John Spencer blues explosion and Beck. I mean, he was from California, but like that sort of sound and, uh, 
one and and uh, you guys will love this. So there was this band called Pony, and Pony had James Murphy in in it, and it was really bad. They were they were so bad, <laughs> and we used to play like gigs with them at like brownies and these underground clubs in New York and stuff. And like mm. so when actually when LCD. And, and I and I used to so I used to play with them. I used to also a bunch of bands used to play softball in Prospect Park. And when when like LCD happened and all that DFA, I, I was like, wait, that's the guy from Pony. Like, how did this happen? Mind blown. Yeah, I was like, but they were so bad. Like, but anyways, <laughs> but um, all that time I was listening to hip hop, but that did not really fit into the indie rock aesthetic that was happening. Although you did have like the Beastie Boys and stuff and Beck, you know, but like uh, not in my particular subgenre that was happening. They were like, no. But I was like, I really want to rap, and so I just started making um four track cassette tapes um actually on on the the singer of ponies four track this guy named Dallas um he was dating my roommate i was living on 11th street and he left his four track there and i made like this little tape where i sampled like the beatles and rolling stones and um and I was rapping on it, and that was my first tape in 1994. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. I'd yeah. love to hear that. And people were like, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I actually have it up on my SoundCloud. It's a, oh, it's yes. a little, uh, I called the tape Mitch Better Get My Bunny. <laughs> which was bitch better get my money, but Mitch better get my bunny. <laughs> and, um, so cute. And no, uh, I was a cutie, little cutie pie back then. And then, um, <laughs> and then my friends were like, you're really funny. You have to keep rapping. And I was like, really? But like, huh. I'm a guitar player. And then they're like, no, you have to rap. And so around that time too, in the, in the, so that was 94. And then what was happening in New York in the hip hop scene then was, there's a big, what was called a backpack hip hop, scene uh that was raucous records and early early eminem was on raucous and then you had high and mighty that um mighty my was the one that produced bad babysitter and uh and so i sort of got in this like little backpacky scene but i was still one foot in being a guitar player in this band but then i quit everything and just focused on princess superstar in 95 and and the rest is history Oh. And then around that time, kind of, can you weave in the story of like your addiction or recovery? Like, how did that kind of interplay oh. with with what was going on for you musically and creatively? Yeah. So, I mean, I was I was a mess. Like, I I was too scared to like get on stage without um, drinking or anything like that. Like, I was really um, a slave to substance, um, and it was. I was always trying to find the balance of like the right amount of drinking to like calm my nerves, but not be too sloppy, messy on stage. And I never could like achieve that. I, I, I was like, uh, it was hell like looking back on it. Um, but I, um, I worked hard. Like I was always like a uh, sort of high functioning in that sense of like, um, I achieved things or I got things done. Like I started my record label, um, out of a day job that I was working. It was like the early days of website building and I had read <laughs> HTML for dummies. And <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I know, I know. And so like I was programming this one website and it was like all one page. Do you remember that? When it was just a page that like you- Angel fire. <laughs> yeah. Everything's black with like neon green type. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god! So I was doing that, and and I I uh, you know I had started my record label. Um, I was really broke. I was paying for everything on credit cards, uh, and but I was very determined, and I was just making records uh, with this guy Curtis Curtis at the time, and he he was awesome. He had this like beautiful studio and. Um, we would record and, um, smoke weed and play crash bandicoot and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and then like record some more. And then like, I don't know, it was just like, you know, it it was, it was an amazing time, but at the same time, like I see how like, um, half, I would say I was like half of a person, you know, I was just like a shell of a person in a way because I was like, um, just always hung over and, uh, yeah, but but I got a lot done, you know, and I toured a lot. Um, it was very unmanageable, though, too, like my relationships, like with my bandmates. Like I'd always kind of like have revolving bandmates um, support me because in that time I had a band. Um, and I would have like I remember one time like a guy quit on tour um, a guitar player. And I was like, well, we don't need you anyway. Like I would look at like, like my relationships were very destructive back then. Mm. That's, that's what stands out to me. So even as I was sort of like on my way to fame and, um, and success, like the, the emotional part of me was not successful. And, um, I talk about that a lot today, like how, um, I'm probably less, successful monetarily and fame wise than I am today, but I'm more successful because I have this incredibly abundant, rich spiritual Mm. life and connections with people and my family and human beings. And I'm able to be like of service on a very high level. And that is uh, worth more than material abundance. You know, I love that you, you pay reference to that because I think like this idea of fame, success, wealth, abundance, prosperity, we can get so tied up in the physical and yet it's so much more than that, isn't it? I was explaining this to somebody the other day, like you see somebody who's truly in their prosperity or in their abundance and you, you kind of expect to go back to their place or whatever and, and just be like, they have a ton of shit or whatever, but they just don't. They're just like so topped up from the inside and it looks so different Mm -hmm. and it's so palpable. And I don't know, I feel like, that's more worth it, you know, than the the destruction that you were doing to yourself potentially when you were doing all those tours, making all that money, but then kind of found this this other prosperity, this other fame, this other wealth. Yeah. Not yeah, to get too sorry to interrupt, but not to get too like program specific, but I will. Um I was like uh, doing a going with, through a second step with somebody the other day, and we were getting the bedevilments, you know, and they're like everything you were just talking about, that idea of like having trouble with personal relationships, couldn't control, couldn't control our emotional natures, pray to misery and depression, couldn't make a living. And not in terms of like financially, but like have a life, Mm. you know, like a feeling of uselessness, full of fear, unhappy, you know, like this is, I mean, no amount of money, success, fame, glamour could possibly like fill those cracks, you know, and you talk about a life today that like you're filled to the brim. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, I love that you read read all that. It's it's really true. And you know, you see it time and time and again with famous people who uh basically want to die or do die mm-hmm. or you know, like um it's just it's just a hole that's never going to be filled by anything other than uh 
higher power and purpose, being of service. That's the only thing. Mm. And getting down with those trees. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> getting right size. So how did getting sober affect your sexuality? Well, yeah, in the beginning, I was like terrified. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this sober. I actually like everything, like, um, I, I lost my virginity drunk. I, everything was, um, tied up with drinking. I was very shy in a way, which is kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, interesting when you look at my persona, but then it makes sense, you know, um, so I was like, oh, God, this is going to be so awkward and horrible. Like, and in the beginning, it kind of was. I mean, <laughs> I was I was meeting guys in, in the program or whatever. Or actually, I met one on Friendster. Remember Friendster? I love Friendster. Shout out Friendster. Bring it back. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> my number one social network. Oh Nothing God, went wrong. Me. It was a place for friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I loved it. So, um <laughs> And it was really awkward, but like it was powerful too, because finally I was like in the present moment and without any crutch and it was just like vulnerable. And that was something that I was really missing was any bit of vulnerability. Uh, So that was really, that was incredible. After I got over the awkwardness of it, I was like, oh, this is, this is fun. (laughs) This is cool, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I definitely made my my share of like wrong, like that first year. (laughs) I was like, uh, I look back, I'm like, oh God, him, him? Oh God. (laughs) uh, You know, it was like Lower East Side, New York, you know, uh, like environment. Yeah. Oh yes, it was, it was fun. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. What is Lower East Side? It's a petri dish for. That's that's when I started using. Okay, sweet. <laughs> when okay. you stopped, Conchetta, I started. <laughs> oh my god, look at that! That's it's hilarious. like you guys were doing. Guys were doing relay. You just like pass the baton. You're like, I'm done here. Now you're done. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm trying. Lower East Side is kind of like like on the east east side, like, but before gentrification, like of London, like, like the, like the, um, Hackney. Yeah, exactly. Before Hackney mm-hmm. became Hackney. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mayhem. <laughs> nice. Total mayhem. Uh-huh. Oh, but I mean, I imagine that being sober during that time was like super fucking fun too. Cause I think it's also important to like talk about like, yes, you know, there's the feelings of like vulnerability and kind of like everything feels really intense in those, especially like first couple years, <laughs> but yeah. because like you were talking about like b- the difference between being half a person and hungover or fucked up all the time. And then like being awake and alive and like feeling connected to that vital energy of like awkwardness and playfulness and curiosity and just like so much energy <laughs> to live. Yes. yes. It was so fun. And like, you know, we would, one thing that was so much fun is like going out dancing and not drinking and drinking water and like Red Bull and like having done that, like in the first, you know, couple years, it's like, wow, like I can have so much fun and like being with all the people, you know, your sober buddies and like, um, just having an amazing time. I'll never Mm -hmm. forget those days of like early sobriety, like how, what a miracle that is. And like, yeah, being in New York and, um, yeah, like 
<laughs> and just like you said, drinking Red Bull and like, I remember just smoking so many cigarettes yep. because it just didn't matter as long as I didn't drink. And now I'm all like, oh no, I had too much sugar or blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah. But, but yeah. back then it was just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't make it through with a bunch of roll-ups and some Red Bull. I'm fucking winning. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know. Now I wouldn't even go like near both of those things. But, me like, <laughs> 100% not. But, like smelling Red Bull makes me want to like puke and gives me a <laughs> headache. <laughs> Exactly. Like flashbacks. Like, I'll take yeah. my turmeric latte, please. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Oh, Is my God. Is it organic? God. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Did I hear oh. it? Yesterday I was listening. I think, what were we watching? It was something where, like, the mo- the two most annoying people are, like, sober and vegan. I'm like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. And here we are. Here we um, are. I know. Here and we all are. So, like, so – in terms of kind of creativity, how did you, and especially as a working performer at that time, kind of how did you manage to find that within yourself again? Because I can imagine it kind of took some retraining. It really did. I was, you know, very, very nervous standing up in front of people. Um, but what was interesting is that, like, I I had had success. Uh, so I... I kind of used that. I was like, it was kind of weird because oh, even though I was like in front of a lot of people during my shows, like I, I was like, well, they already loved me, so let me just like take their love and and perform and and yeah, it was so awkward in the beginning. I had taken acting classes uh, for most of my life because I I had wanted to be an actress. I mean, I stopped when I did the music stuff, but. But uh, I remember getting taught something called private moment when you mm. create on stage, like um, a little flat exercise. Yeah, exactly. Wait, tell me about it. I'm not an actor. You guys oh are actors. Tell, <laughs> tell us. Go ahead, Rose. Oh God, it's so beautiful. Um, we did it in the first year at drama school. So you create a moment where it's something that you would do at home or that you would see somebody do. So I think I chose doing my makeup, and everybody just watches your private moment essentially and you kind of just do it as is and it's I'm saying out loud it sounds really basic but (laughs) there's something really powerful about watching somebody do something where you wouldn't naturally get to Mm. see them do it in their kind of home environment you're encouraged to perform it so not even perform it just do it as authentically as possible so that we remember when we're playing a part in a uh, in a show or whatever that the the person is a real person who goes to the toilet who puts on their makeup and who who has a way of like holding and managing themselves that we don't often see in the outside world so if we're jumping into a character for example someone might say oh they do it like this but you forget the way you touch your skin or whatever or you brush your hair is everybody does everything really differently the way they treat themselves you know Mm. in a private moment so it's kind of almost voyeuristic as it were (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love how you broke it down. And like, also, it encourages you to like, really be as if you were in your own house with nobody watching. And so right. like, you can use your sense memory to, to to create that. Like, so what does your house smell like? Or what? It, or for me, I would imagine a mirror in front of the audience. So I was looking, yeah. I would be dancing and singing in my mirror at home. And, mm-hmm. and I was really using that a lot until I didn't have to anymore. But that's what really helped me uh, pivot because I was scared shitless. Uh, I think to I'm going to use that. <laughs> that's yeah. really helpful. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful exercise for sure. It's really, really lovely. And it's lovely watching people do it too because mm-hmm. you really feel that they're hyper-present and it takes the performing aspect out of it, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah, exactly. And and just, you know, connecting. So it's like, and then here's the art part because you have to, so you're in your private moment, you're dancing in front of your mirror like nobody's watching. And at the same time, you also try to connect to the audience. So mm-hmm. it's like very like a mind fuck because you're like trying to do both. But when you do, it's so extraordinary. Mm, absolutely. Oh, thanks for sharing that with us. Is Conchetta different from Princess Superstar? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> so? Unpack that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, especially as a mom, like probably if, you know, I used to get asked that all the time um, from magazines and whatnot back in the day. And I'd, pr- I'd be like, no, <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> we now, are one. <laughs> now I really am different because I'm a mom, you know, mm. and so I really identify with that energy and that's that mom energy doesn't really come through. Although I did do an, a record called The New Evolution. That's like my most kind of quote unquote spiritual record, um, mm-hmm. which is hard to find. You can find it on um, Princess Superstar Shopify shop, um, <laughs> and um, but anyway, I I don't really I don't really bring in yeah I really identify as like a mom and um, I don't really bring that energy to my music you know um, so I do feel like it's a character but it's definitely a part of me and I feel very connected to it it's like a very outrageous fun. Um, pardon me, but I, I have been bringing more sort of like spirituality into it, but like, I'm really a fan of like, I don't, I don't want to be like overtly spiritual. I like to like give little messages here and there and like, um, do it in a subversive way, I guess. Mm, Like subliminally kind of weave what you're, what you're talking about without actually talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or it's much more powerful that way though. I think so. And and, and then also just live a life, a a spiritual life. I think that's important too. And that will come through and resonate on the vibration of your music. Uh, So yeah, but, but I, I, I have been sort of asking myself, like, what is Princess Superstar now? Like, what, what mm. is, you know, maybe it can evolve more into Conchetta or like vice versa. Or like, I don't know. So it's a great question. Um, yeah. I'm curious about, because I'm becoming a mother um, <laughs> in a couple of months, that idea of, do you think that the patriarchy, for example, <laughs> My favorite has a part to play in in kind of we as artists it's impossible to include like there's something about the mum not being sexy do you know what I mean like and so we have to forever as women kind of keep this um I don't know I haven't formulated this thought properly but it just came to me (laughs) so bear with me that we we have to formulate these kind of idols or the personalities that we're putting out which are like I'm free. I'm this. I have no ties. And like, Mm. I think you get to a certain age and like that stops being sexy too. Right. So it's our response. I think it's our responsibility as women now to kind of try to weave them together a bit. No. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I think, um, I think it's, it's kind of sad. Like I think aging, um, Hmm. being a mother, like it has a bad, bad rap in our, uh, society. And, um, 
I don't think it's just the patriarchy. I think it's actually everybody. Um, mm. And like, you know, I mean, like you don't really see like elders being respected or anything mm. like that, like in some, you know, like say Native American traditions. Mm. So I think, I think it's really important for us to like uh, claim our, our power and our sexuality and all that at, at every age. And, um, and as a matter of fact, I will do a line from a new song I just wrote, which I think you'll, you'll love. Um, and I'm going to make a video for it too. And I'm really excited, but it's called getting older parentheses, parentheses, pussy still pop. (laughs) So, yeah. <laughs> our new sober sex theme song if you yeah. like. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll do the chorus for you it goes I'm getting older but I ain't never gonna stop I'm getting older but the pussy pussy still pop pussy still pop pussy pussy still pop tick tock on the clock pussy still pop <laughs> oh my god sober sex exclusive singing that fantastic. everywhere <laughs> that's so amazing <laughs> Oh yes. <laughs> but it, it's I think it's really empowering to name it, you know, because I think there's like when I look at Madonna's arms, I'm like, you poor dear. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. It's I like know. what like what made that so scary just to like become a fucking like woman, you know, like a like I mean, I feel like it's a it's a it's a derogatory term, but it's not supposed to be like the idea of like, can I step into like mother and crone as, as with eager, like, um, excitement as I can kind of step into like the warrior queen. Oh, I love that. No, it's true. It's like, Mm. my God, what happened to Madonna? Like, hello, like her face Mm. is like unrecognizable. Mm. It's like so sad because like the, the plastic surgery and just like everything, like, it's so sad. Exactly. Like, I, I think it's just so important to like celebrate like womanhood and getting older and like owning it. And like, I still like to look youthful and those kind of things. Yes. But it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, I don't know, alter myself in some weird way to like try to fit into a category. Mm. Right. Although it's interesting, I was just um, listening to an interview with Marianne Faithful, who's like, uh, she also talks quite a lot about her recovery. So awesome. And she, you know, she just came out with a new album of like, um, romantic, like, where she reads romantic poetry by the kind of the greats. uh, With like, Brian Eno. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. But she was talking about she did three different versions over like the course of, I don't know, like 50 years of As Tears Go By. And she was talking about what a different Mm -hmm. person she was in each version. Like one when she was like basically an infant at like 17. Mm -hmm. One when she was getting sober for the first time, I believe in like the late 80s, early 90s. And and one more recently. Um, And when she was happy, you know, when she was talking about being happy as like an adult woman, you know. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, fuck, man. Like to have a career like that and to kind of own one's own evolution, I think is so empowering. And it's exciting to think about like outside of a kind of more rock and roll world where I think that's a little bit more accepted and into kind of Mm -hmm. hip hop or pop or electro. Mm -hmm. Like, how can we do that? Because like, like as is, it feels quite impossible to, to think about touring, you know, (laughs) like in my sixties or whatever, but at the same time, like that's because we've never really seen it before. And you're, you know, you just mentioned you turned 50 and you're making a song about like your fucking pussy still popping. And like (laughs) that gives me a lot of hope, you know, to like be able to be a rave elder with some kind of like grace and gratitude and like to not have to cling to like youth as the only selling point. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. And I think like, you know, also like a catalog of music speaks for itself as well. I think that's, that's, you have that going for you too, you know, so that's, game recognized that's game. amazing. I was, yeah. I was doing the discography of Princess Superstar and it's like, it's, it's like 26 years. Like that's fucking incredible, especially again, as a woman in music where it's very easy to kind of be the flavor of the moment, but to like have a trajectory like that, I think is really, is really quite something. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's wild. When you say it out loud, I'm like, oh God, that's me. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You did it. <laughs> so speaking of a, like a, you know, a, a career trajectory, how do you stay inspired today? Like how do you kind of keep it fresh? Hmm. That's a great question because like, it, it's really interesting having a, a little daughter um, mm. who listens to pop, you know, hmm. and, and it's just a really bad music. <laughs> what now. does she listen to? <laughs> name names. Oh yeah. Please. <laughs> Oh my god. No, you don't have to. I was going No, I mean, I mean, but I don't even know like I don't even know the names. It's just well, yeah, I do, but like I don't know like um oh, what is this terrible thing? Um uh oh my god, I'm I'm totally blanking. But there's this station out here. It's like 97.1 and it's um and it's not hot 97 like in New York. It's <laughs> little, it's like shit pop, you know. It's like it's horrible like um um uh, lately, I ne- I've been thinking, I want you to be happier. I want you to be happier. Like, whatever that song is, Marshmallow. Um, you know, the, the kids, like, I don't know. Yeah, that is so good. Oh, my God. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, but, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really listen to a lot of new music. I mean, I, I guess I listen to some new hip-hop, but the problem is with, like, the, the hip-hop today – um, the lyrics are so like, I just feel like every song is the same. Mm. And then also I have a kid around. It's like, I don't really want her to listen to all that. And like, uh, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I need, I need actually some new inspiration. Cause I don't, I don't know what to, to listen to. I, I like, um, I like Tame Impala. Um, I of course like Kendrick Lamar, um, mm. but like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I never listen actually. It's funny like that. I, I pretty much stopped DJing. Um, I don't listen to any dance music so much except for when I, I exercise. Um, <laughs> so time. I don't know. <laughs> I need, yeah, I need, I need some, I need some inspiration. You guys actually <laughs> go low. I mean, shoot honestly, <laughs> like hot on an electric clash tip so i'm not of much use i'm like the party monster soundtrack like (laughs) 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 like because i do honestly like we are in a moment where that feels relevant again you know where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like very kind of fast hard ravey like melodic um, like it's almost gabber it's so fast (laughs) but yeah like i think you know we're in a really interesting moment musically because we're kind of like the people aren't performing except in, in kind of in the vacuum. So whatever gets played has to either like be kind of like emotional and introverted, or it has to be like insane. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I know. It's such a weird, uh, what, what happened? So, so you basically just stopped touring altogether, right? Like, I mean, there's no, I like there's every gig keeps just getting postponed or, or canceled. So there's not, it's not like, it's not a choice really. (laughs) Right. And how has that been for you? Like making music? Oh, I mean, I've, I put out an album last month for my first album, which was very exciting, but it was also like, 
the practice of the freedom. The practice of freedom. You can buy it on Bandcamp, louisa.bandcamp.com. Thank you, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, and on one hand, like, I th- I think about this, like, you can't post-enjoy something. So I really tried to, like, enjoy the process of, like, having this thing in the world because it kept get that, too, kept getting kind of pushed back around the pandemic. But, yeah. you know, I think at this point it's about, like, trying to just stay super present in it so and try and, like, you know, I do a lot of live streams and they're making me, like, last month I did, like, six and they all made me want to kill myself. <laughs> They were all just like, this is so fucking depressing. Like, all I want is to, like, <laughs> feel the energy of the people in the room, and that's impossible, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's, you know, on one hand, you you talked about, like, having a, a generous experience. Like, the people are here because they love what I do, so, like, let me love them back, like, as your mm-hmm. performing experience. And there's part of that, but then it's also, like, in this moment, I think for a lot of us as performers, realizing that, like, it's not an infinite well you know? Mm. And so I think the, the the feeling of like lack of inspiration or feeling a little bit like, huh, music is not that interesting for me right now is not, you're not alone in that. And I think it's, it's an exciting moment to kind of draw inspiration from other sources. Like what am I actually excited about and how can I kind of um, like use that as creative nutrition? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We're definitely in this kind of like in between zone. And I'm curious to see what the next creative trend comes out, like what comes out of it. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's totally exciting. So in 12 step programs, we often discuss a sex ideal, aka the person we want to show up as in a sexual or romantic relationship. Do you have a sex ideal today that you're working with? And what does that look like? <laughs> well, it's really it's really amazing being married for so long. And we just, um, so our, our kid is 10. We got married when she was two. So, and we just celebrated our eight years of um, marriage. Congrats. And, yeah. And, you know, it's great is that like we have today, we have like a healthy sex life. Like I feel like really happy about that. And we um, make time for it. We like, you know, when you have a kid, you have to be creative, but like we, we find a place and time and we do. And like, and I think like the, the, the idea is to like really make it like a spiritual um, connection. Um, and it's not always that sometimes it's like, okay, we've got two minutes and like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but like, I'm so glad to have like a healthy um, sex life today. And also before, before I was um, sober, I used to be like a real cheater. I could never be loyal. Mm, um, the longest relationship I had was like a year and a half. This one is eight is now, well, 12, 12 years we've been together. Mm. I mean, like, holy shit. It's um, incredible. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's been great. And I, and I feel like it's, it's just getting better and better because also we communicate. Um, and, um, and also I've learned too to like, um, sometimes I'm like not in the mood and I do it anyway. And that always makes the day go better and it doesn't take very long. So I really want to shout that out to like women who like, you know, just like, no, I don't want to or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. it's probably going to take five or 10 minutes max. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and like, and like, then like, he's so, he's like whistling while he does the dishes. And like, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's funny. So you'll see Rose, like when you have your baby, sometimes your sex drive gets a little lower, like around then, you know, Dumb. like after. So, you know, 
it's like just watch that and yeah but but oh, thanks for that it's good to say yes I think you know like I love that I talked yeah. about that in the very first episode we ever did of sober sex that actually had had a therapist recommend that because yeah since I got sober my sex drive decreased a lot honestly mm-hmm. um after the first bit of a the relationship that I was in and um and sometimes she was just like just sometimes just do it and not think about it too much and it's not that I'm betraying my body for example it's that I'm kind of getting in I'm acting myself into right thinking kind of thing. Exactly. Like I'm, getting, yeah. I'm getting in there and then I find myself like enjoying it. But sometimes it's just not always like my wild, like fucked up fantasy or whatever. So. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's like, I know, especially like having been married for so long with one person, you know, it's like, oh my God, like I was, <laughs> I was watching. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with this show we watched with my kid called Merlin. Like you have to see it. It's on <laughs> on Netflix, but it's really cute because it's like, it's like the Knights of the Round Table as teenagers, um, like King Arthur and Merlin as teenagers. Like, so it's kind of amazing. And um, anyways, uh, one of them, Lancelot, fucking hot. I'm like, why? I'm like, I I want to be with Lancelot. Like, can I just be with Lancelot? And I think it's like normal and healthy to have fantasies and like that's okay Mm -hmm. it's like as long as you're loyal like have fantasies like who cares and then like just like bring it in you can bring it into your 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 relationship and it's fun that's such (laughs) helpful information just because i think (laughs) that like because especially of the way that like I don't know. When I got sober, I thought that I ha- everything had to look a very certain way in order to kind of be aligned with like now na- my new found higher power. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that God's like a fun kinky perv, or at least mine is. But yeah, I love the, you know, but like I I thought that it had to be very like I had to be really controlling because you know there's these kind of Judeo Christian overtones in this book that was written seventy years ago, but um th- the idea that like use the energy like fantasy Mm, is fun and healthy like use it you know like and that it's that that's not a sin like i think that there's so much kind of like weight about like how pious you can be and like what (laughs) what a nun Mm. sober looks like and it's like none you can have way more fun and it's it's Mm. helpful to hear that yeah i think healthy sexuality is really important it's tied to creativity too and it is it does it can be like infused with that like divine purpose um and i i love that i love that with a higher power being like a kinky perv i think that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's important it takes the the shame out yeah it takes the shame out like we were talking about before totally And how do you get, like, you know, we talk, we occasionally use the term sex magic with a K here. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, Like, how do you kind of get in touch with that for yourself in terms of your creative process? And, or do you have any, like, sex magician idols that you kind of, like, I think, I I think a lot about David Bowie. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm just like, you are so fucking in your shit. Like, go meet. I want that, you know? Oh man, uh, me too. David Bowie is that for me, absolutely, and like Iggy Pop, and oh my god. Um, so I, I think like, I think like um, being like really kind of seeing like what what is pleasing to my man. Like I think that that really helps me get into it. Um, because it's not how I'm oriented. I'm more so I, I it's funny because it sounds kind of old fashioned, right? But it's like actually not because um 
I actually tend more to be on the selfish side. Like I've always been like that. Like, you know, also just being a rapper, being a DJ, you know, going touring for millions of years. Like I, I sort of became almost manly in my, like in my pursuits. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really helps me to get into the femininity of like, Oh, what's pleasing to you. And like, and like, let's, you know, let's try that and like be really open, um, in that way, uh, feels really great. And, um, yeah. And then as far as like creativity goes, like I just, when I sit down to, to write or anything, I really just ask, um, God to write through me and, and work through me. And that's, and I'm very often too, I'm demanding. I'm like, look, I fucking have 15 minutes because my kid is in the other room, like learning math and I need to write something right now, God. So let's do it. So I think that's kind of fun too, to be like, so it's like playing with the two energies, right? Like the feminine energy and the masculine energy of like, let's go, come on, hook it up, God, let's go. Sweet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Sometimes pressure is good. I remember when I couldn't finish a show or something that like I was like part of workshopping, I would just book the theater. <laughs> There's nothing like pressure of having a date oh my God, that you've got to get amazing. into, you know? It's ball zeros. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I mean, you get, you get shit done. That's the right. good way to get shit done. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's been such a joy to have you today. Um, we're going to zip into a lightning round. So don't think about it. We're just going to ask the questions real quick. Okay. What is your morning routine? Uh, prayer and brushing teeth. <laughs> nice. What's your favorite song to sing at karaoke? Oh, um, Bon Jovi. I'm a cowboy on a steel <laughs> horse I ride and I'm wanted. Dude, or a lot. Nobody's song. You're like the most songful guest. It's delightful. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> what turns you on? Um, Lancelot. <laughs> Go Lancelot. Hard plug. <laughs> yeah, really. Merlin. <laughs> if yeah. you could tell yourself um, a for tell your former self one piece of wisdom on your first day sober, what would it be? Oh my god. Welcome to the most amazing epic journey of your life. You did it. Yes. <laughs> and finally, what do you love? I love my family. I love my husband and my daughter. Oh, beautiful. You can totally hear it. It's it's a really wonderful thing to talk to you about them. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Instagram at Princess Superstar. Um, my Patreon, patreon.com slash the real princess superstar, Twitter, P superstar. Uh, yeah, come find me. Freaking sick. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, you guys. This was like one of the best interviews I think I've ever had in my 26 years. Oh, my heart just exploded. That was melting. <laughs> melting. Thank you. That means a lot to me and Lou, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just amazing to talk about real things, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Always down for the real chat.